Andy Cuomo gets tossed out the side of the SUV as the popular meme shows as now the mainstream media has almost no use for him at this point. We're going to start to get to see all of the fun, juicy dirt that they had on Andy Cuomo all this time, and it's going to be amazing. I'm going to love to watch this here, and we'll talk just a bit about that. In other news, the crisis at the border accelerates here as people realize that Biden is doing the exact same thing that Trump did and the exact same thing the mainstream media ripped Donald Trump up and down for. So we'll talk just a bit about that. Speaking of the Donald, he may be back on a social media platform, and a major one, but unfortunately it won't be his favorite Twitter, so we'll talk a bit about that. And this story's a couple days old, but we're going to talk about the mariachi band that decided to go and visit Ted Cruz. It's going to be all of this and more. Hey, 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 do you trust the plan yet? I'm Jay Edgar. And this is Contemporary. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Contemporary. My name is Jay Edgar. We've got a bunch of stuff to get to today, and I always say that the news is starting to slow off just a little bit, but it really isn't. It goes in waves up and down, but nobody seems to know what they want to make the big crisis into at this point. If they want to throw Andy Cuomo under the bus, if they want to yell about Trump some more, if they want to yell about Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is, for whatever reason, popular once again here. I just saw a meme of her hanging up a poster saying there are only two genders right before I went live. Decided not to add it to the stack, but it was a close one. I almost did. But there's a whole bunch of stuff going on here, and, you know, we're going to keep seeing it here. Before we get into anything, before I even sell the wares on freedomscoop.com, I wanted to uh, bring this one to you guys' attention, because it seems to be gaining some traction over on Twitter, and I thought you guys would enjoy it too, because I know that everybody that watches this program is on Twitter, so I tweeted out uh, 10.30 last night, that is in Central Time too, by the way, I don't know who needs to hear this today, but white supremacist is not a synonym for someone who voted differently than I did. And uh, just a few minutes ago, Stefani Hoos tweeted this meme back out, Be less white, Coca-Cola. There you have it. Alright, well, now that we have that going here, now that we have this uh, whole fun little bit of our racial parody going on here. I do want to point you guys over and check out our friends. Pardon our dust right now. We are still under construction over at the Freedom Scoop Media Group. But go ahead over to freedomscoop.com and throw a bookmark down because once we're back up and running, it'll give you easy access to follow all the friends of the program, including the Generational Gap, the Freckles and Brit Show, the Daily Ignoramus, the Breakdown with Birkenhoff, and the R-rated Conservative. Daily Ignoramus is back up. He doesn't have a full schedule yet. Some days he's going to be working during the day. Some days he's going to be working late at night, but always go check him out. I just checked uh, one of his uh, first shows back from his move, so that was pretty cool. The Generational Gap is going to be featuring my wonderful co-hostess Elaine this Friday, so go and check them out as they have a spooky paranormal episode because apparently John's going to be going and staying in a haunted hotel in South Carolina. And not only that, he's going to be streaming from there, so go and check them out as well. We've got a bunch of great stuff over there, and once we get back up and running, you can check out some of our swag and help us support great creators as well. All right, let's look over at the Dow, which had a fairly substantial up day yesterday. It started off kind of moving down into the toilet and then just kind of shot back up throughout the day, ending the day at 31,957.45. So looks like we had uh, some decent news coming back up out of things. Let's look at the Bitcoin. Bitcoin is currently at $51,611.70. That is in U.S. dollars. And once again, I contend that uh, we start or continue to see the U.S. dollar being devalued, and Bitcoin's got a market cap, so they can't make any more coins. Got to ask, though, who bought the dip? Because a bunch of people must have bought in. I know that some uh, companies went through and bought a little bit. I saw a bit about that on the news yesterday, but yeah, a lot of people came out and said, oh, well, Bitcoin's crashing now. It's back down to 48000 and people trusted the dip, and now it's back up to fifty-one. So, good news on that. 
All right, let's talk to, about IBD, which I don't need this archive version because it looks like this one stayed up. From Investor's Business Daily, Dow Jones Futures, tech stocks fall as GameStop skyrockets, Tesla Model 3 production halted, NVIDIA leads five earnings movers. From Ed Carson, Dow Jones Futures dipped Thursday morning while S&P 500 Futures slid and NASDAQ Futures fell solidly as growth names come under pressure again after Wednesday's strong stock market rally. Tesla reportedly is halting Model 3 production at its Fremont, California plant. The GameStop saga is back with GME stock and other short squeeze plays skyrocketing Wednesday with big gains continuing Thursday morning. Yeah, we're going to do the GameStop thing again. I haven't seen any mainline news about that yet, but it hasn't hit a point where CNN has to pay attention to it because they have to distract from something that Biden did stupidly. NVIDIA headline earnings reports after the close, along with Teladoc Health, NetApp, Progeny, and Innovative Industrial Properties. NVIDIA stock reversed lower overnight despite strong earnings. IIPR stock, Teladoc, NetApp, and Progeny declined significantly. All five stocks have been trading near buy points. Chinese EV startup Li Auto reportedly, uh, reported rather a surprise profit early Thursday. Profit. Which the Chinese government immediately took back over because... What's yours is ours, comrade. No, no. We take. You make stuff, we take. Coronavirus vaccine maker Moderna missed on earnings. New mobile gaming IPO Playtica topped views in a busy pre-market on Thursday. After a brief morning retreat, the stock market rally extended Tuesday afternoon. Rebound on Wednesday, restoring some confidence. The Dow Jones Industrial Average led the way Wednesday, hitting a record high amid a continued sector rotation into real economy cyclical names such as Boeing. The Nasdaq also rebounded. The Tesla Model 3 production has been halted starting February 22nd and will last until March 7th. Bloomberg News reported Thursday, citing a source, it's not clear why Tesla Model 3 output is being halted. At the end of the last year, in early 2021, Tesla suspended production of the Model S, which has seen declining sales as it refreshes the luxury sedan. Model 3 demand in the U.S. has fallen since late 2019, even amid ongoing price cuts. Another issue could be the ongoing chip shortage affecting the global auto industry, which has forced many rivals to curb output. Tesla stock fell 3% in Thursday's pre-market. On Wednesday, Tesla jumped 6.2% to 742.02, extending a recovery after a huge intraday drop Tuesday to 619, and fueling support for EV stocks and speculative growth names overall. ARK Invest bought a lot more Tesla stock on Monday and Tuesday following a number of buys in the past few weeks. Tesla stock, ARK's uh, top holding across all TV, uh, ETFs closed 6.2% below its 10-week line. God, I'm going to stutter even more than this, and I'm going to start sounding like Joe Biden. Come on, man! GME stock, which had drifted lower after a stunning rise and fall, spiked 103% to 9170 on Wednesday, mostly in the last hour of trade, amid heavy call option activity that pushed GameStop stock back up of a above its 50-day and 21-day lines to its best close since February 3rd. GME stock closed 81% off its January 28th peak at 483. So we're going to see that going back up. GameStop said Tuesday that CAFO uh, Jim Bell has resigned. A resurgence of GME stock price could give GameStop another chance for a share offering, something AMC Entertainment did last month during its short squeeze. AMC stock popped 18% on Wednesday. AMC rallied 36% on Monday to Tuesday, as New York City said it would allow movie theaters to partially reopen in March. Apparel retailer Express leapt 43%. Have you seen an Express store lately? I thought those died in the early 2000s. I remember them everywhere in the 90s, but I don't remember ever seeing Express clothing after that. So... NVIDIA stock, Tesla, and innovative industrial properties are on the IBD leaderboard. NVIDIA and Tesla stock are on IBD 50. All right, on the futures, Dow Jones futures lost less than 1% rather versus fair value. I believe it was at 0.06 when I looked at it.
erasing modest gains. S&P 500 futures fell 0.4%. NASDAQ 100 futures retreated 1.05%. As Tesla and NVIDIA stock fell, that's going to hurt coming back into the open. The 10-year Treasury yield, which pulled back from 1.4% on Wednesday, popped to 1.45% Thursday morning. That good news for financials, uh, but is adding to pressure on growth stocks. I think they missed a word here. That is good news for financials. Remember, overnight action in Dow futures and elsewhere doesn't necessarily translate into actual trading in the next regular stock market session. All right, let's see what CNBC has to say, and then we'll get into the Cuomo news. U.S. stock futures are under some pressure following Dow's record close from Yoon Lee and Pippa Stevens. U.S. stock futures were mostly down slightly Thursday after the Dow Jones Industrial Average closed at a record high. Futures contracts tied to the Dow were bouncing between slight gains and losses. S&P 500 futures lost 0.3%. NASDAQ 100 futures shed about 1% as tech stocks came under pressure again. Shares of Tesla and Facebook fell in pre-market trading. On the data front, initial jobless claims numbers will be released at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time on Thursday, with economists surveyed by Dow Jones expecting a print of 845,000 new jobless claims. We're still shedding almost a million jobs a week. Also, at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time, the U.S. Department of Commerce will release its second estimate for fourth quarter GDP. Well, kind of interesting to see what happened there and I know it looks like it probably grew a little bit, but I don't think we got back to where we were in spite of what the stock market said. But also get prepared for 1% growth for at least two years, maybe four, maybe eight. Come on, man. The 10-year Treasury yield hit 1.46% on Thursday morning with highest level since February of 2020. The benchmark rate has risen 35 base points. This month, higher rates could spur investors to rotate out of stocks and into bonds, and they could also hit the growth-oriented technology sector especially hard. Our base case is that rates will continue to rise due to increasing growth and inflation expectations and eventually Federal Reserve normalization, said Ryan Detrick, chief market strategist at LPL Financial. We also believe if rates move too high too fast, the Fed... Excuse me will intervene and make uh, sure rising rates don't become too restrictive and disrupt equity markets or the real economy. Yeah, that's professionalism right there. Just throw a big belch out right in the middle of the uh, on air while you're reading the stocks. Some traders look past the surge in yields after Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell emphasized the central bank's commitment to easy policy and downplayed the risk of inflation, saying it could take three years or more before the Fed's goals are reached. So, looks like we're seeing a few rough things coming in for the economy. Once again, a million new jobless claims, almost still. Still, almost a year later. You got to have run out of jobs at some point. You have to have. Because we're almost at 52 weeks of losing a million jobs almost a week. There are 330 million people in the country. 200 million of which are adults that are working ability. So, yeah. That's a bunch. So, we will see what happens with that, and we'll keep watching this. Looks like the futures were down to start. I looked at uh, Fox Business a little bit, and we'll be looking at where the market is a little bit later because I've got a Fox Business article up over here, and they keep the... Uh, they keep the market uh, status over here while they're on air. So we'll see where it uh, is going by the time we get down there. Let's talk about Cuomo. Starting with this one here from the New York Post. Time to impeach the unmasked Governor Cuomo. From Post Editorial Board. Governor Cuomo has long portrayed himself as a model of propriety, a paragon of virtue, competence, leadership, Yet now a starkly different picture of him is emerging, that of a bully, a liar, and appears a sexual harasser. You know, I remember us talking about this last summer. 
Just, just read the map, okay? You can read, you can see color, okay? You, you see where the red zones are. And a liar. Oh, no, I totally didn't put people into the nursing homes. We've been saying that since March. The latest charge comes from his former Deputy Secretary for Economic Development, Lindsey Boylan, who is now running for Manhattan Borough President. In a 1,700-plus word essay, she lays out creepy details of how Cuomo eyed her from early on, went out of his way to touch her on the lower back, arms, and legs, asked her to play strip poker while flying home on his taxpayer-funded jet, and blocked her exit from his office and kissed her on the lips without warning. Her piece, which provided email and text images to support her claims, backed up accusations she'd first made in December. Cuomo's abusive behavior was on par for the course, she says. When he mentioned the strip poker, I should have been shocked, recounts Boylan, but I wasn't. The governor had created a culture with his, within his administration where sexual harassment and bullying is so pervasive that it's expected. The governor, she adds, uses intimidation to silence critics. And nipple rings, too, by the way. Another woman told her that she, too, was scared of what would happen if she rejected his advances. When Boylan first uh, lodged her accusations in December, someone from Team Cuomo leaked parts of her confidential personnel file in an effort to smear me. Yes, it's all allegations. Cuomo has every right to give his side of the story. On the other hand, when it's Christine Blasey Ford accused then-Judge Brett Kavanaugh of sexual assault, the governor insisted everyone believe her and that Kavanaugh take the lie detector test. All right, governor, take a lie detector test. More of the pattern here is unmistakable. Assemblyman Ron Kim, a fellow Democrat, says Cuomo called him at home and threatened to destroy him if he didn't recant his charges against the governor for nursing home misdeeds. Right on cue, the governor began to lodge accusations against Kim days later. Others have come forward, too. In the Post this week, Morgan Pemmy disclosed how Cuomo terrorized him in a bid to suppress a story set to appear in City and State, where Pemmy was editor. Karen Hinton, another ex-Cuomo aide, blasts Cuomo's penis politics. Okay, guys, if I run for president, if you guys get me up to 2,000 YouTube subscribers by uh, January 1st of 2022, that is going to be my platform right there, penis politics. That's it. I, It rolls right off the tongue. I can't imagine it's anything good, but, you know, I'm not actually even being serious about this. Penis politics. Mayor de Blasio calls Kim's account classic Cuomo, adding he knows a lot of people who've suffered similar abuse. Bill's going to run for governor, I bet. If they pull Cuomo out, Bill's going to run a, uh, run for his seat. Team Cuomo's order sending COVID-contagious patients to nursing homes, fueling needless deaths, is surely enough to question his pose as a competent leader. All the more reason to impeach. And once again, because, and we talked about uh, Ms. Boylan back in December, just as it said, and we've talked about the nursing home thing from the beginning of the commie fucking coof. We've talked about, I mean, this is all old information. None of this is new. But it's just like the meme goes. They have no more use for Cuomo, so... Out the side of the SUV. Tuck and roll, Governor Cuomo. Let's see what CNBC has to say on this topic. Former Cuomo aide accuses governor of kissing her without permission from Lauren Feiner. A former aide to New York Governor Andrew Cuomo on Wednesday accused the governor of kissing her without consent while she served as Deputy Secretary for Economic Development in 2018. Lindsay Boylan, now a candidate for Manhattan Borough President, released a detailed account of her allegations against her former boss in a blog post. Boylan made public her harassment accusations against the governor in December, though she did not go into specifics at the time. This is from December 13th of 2020, Boylan. And I promised myself I would never let those kind of guys win. I would work hard my whole life to put myself in positions of power to change things, to end the violence and corruption, give voice to the voiceless. I am not stopping. I refuse. I will never give up. <clears throat> yes, Cuomo sexually harassed me for years. Many saw it and watched. 
I could never anticipate what to expect. I, uh, would I be grilled on my work, which was very good, or harassed about my looks? Or would it be both in the same conversation that was this way for years? Walmart press secretary, Caitlin Jura. Uh, I don't even, I can't even begin to know how to pronounce that. We're going to say Gerard, said in a statement. Ms. Boylan's claims of inappropriate behavior are quite simply false. In the same press relief from Cuomo's office, four other members of his staff disputed a single detail of Boylan's account. Boylan wrote that while on a plane from Western New York event in 2017 with the governor, the press aide, and state trooper, Cuomo told her, Let's play strip poker! Cuomo's office released a record of all flights from October 2017 and said there was no flights where Lindsay was alone with the governor, a single press aide, and a New York State trooper. The record does show Boylan was on several flights with the governor and other members of his staff. Boylan did not claim in her blog post that she was alone on the flight with just the governor, a press aide, and the state trooper, but that four Cuomo staffers said in a statement included in the release. We were on each of these October flights, and this conversation did not happen. So, a couple things going back and forth on this. I mean, NBC is going to be twisting themselves in and out to try and make this look like Cuomo was A-OK -okay off of this because they spent so long defending him, but even the mainstream media is coming out and saying, oh, well, we're done with him. Get, get him the fuck out of here. All right, I've got another one here from the New York Post. Assembly Dems I removing Cuomo COVID emergency powers amid scandal. From Carl Campanile and Bernadette Hogan. Democrats who run the state assembly privately huddled Wednesday to craft a plan to remove the emergency powers given to Governor Andrew Cuomo last year to address the coronavirus pandemic. The move comes amid outrage over Cuomo's COVID-19 nursing home scandal, which included undercounting deaths of res uh, residents rather by 50%, according to a withering report issued last month by the state attorney general. We need to remove the governor's emergency powers immediately, Assemblyman Tom Abenanti of Terrytown said following the virtual meeting. But Abenanti said more time is needed to refine an acceptable proposal. The legislature wants to avoid what many critics have accused Cuomo of doing, micromanaging the activity of businesses and houses of worship. It's not appropriate for the legislature to determine when a bar should close, he said. The emergency powers, which expire on April 30th, allow Cuomo to issue emergency executive orders that suspend existing laws in order to address the pandemic. The legislature approved a law last March giving the governor extraordinary powers. Assemblywoman Yulene Niao of Manhattan said the governor never needed the emergency powers. His emergency powers were already extensive. Support in the legislature to rein in Cuomo's COVID-19 powers skyrocketed in the wake of the Post's recent revelation that top Cuomo aide Melissa DeRosa privately admitted his administration per month had hit the total number of nursing home residents killed by COVID-19 and other information from lawmakers and the public over fear that federal prosecutors would use it against us. But anybody who's seen Star Wars knows that once you give a an executive emergency powers, Chancellor Palpatine, they really don't give them back. And sometimes they come out and say things like, I am the Senate. So, will this work? Will he get reined in? Will he get impeached? We don't know. But definitely something to watch here. Let's talk about Biden. From Axios, exclusive hundreds of kids held in Border Patrol stations. From Steph W. Kite and Jonathan Swan. More than 700 children who crossed from Mexico into the U.S. without their parents were in Border Patrol custody as of Sunday, according to an internal Customs and Border Protection document obtained by Axios. The current backup is yet another sign of brewing crisis for this president and a worsening dilemma for those vulnerable children. Biden is finding it's easier to talk about preventing warehousing kids at the southern border than solving the problem. Making matters worse, border crossings usually peak in the spring, and it's only February. 
of the more than 700 kids waiting to be transferred to shelters overseen by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, more than 200 had been held in these Border Patrol stations for more than 48 hours. Nine had been detained for longer than the agreed-upon limit of 72 hours. According to the internal document, which timestamped the data, current as of 8.15 a.m. on February 21st. The press secretary, Jen Psaki, acknowledged some kids have been held for four or five days or more. She blamed the delays on the bad weather that shut down Texas last week, saying some long-term shelters did not have power and were not in a place where they had the capacity to take these kids and do it safely. She also pushed back hard on an equivalency between the current and past administration's handling of the children, who generally come from countries in Central America at the U.S.-Mexico border. While President Trump was criticized for separating children from their parents, the policy is no longer in place. Although rising numbers of children arriving now are unaccompanied, meaning they are detained alone anyway. That didn't matter under Trump. We have a couple of options. We can send them back home. We can quickly transfer them from CPB to HHS-run facilities. We can put them with families and sponsors without vetting. Pazaki said, we've chosen the middle option. Government watchdogs found severe overcrowding and concerning sanitation, health and safety issues at the U.S. Customs and Border Patrol intake facilities, which are special concerns for children. CBP is only meant to have short-term custody of migrants before adults and families are transferred to the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement Agency and accompanied children, unaccompanied rather children, are transferred to HHS. Nonetheless, in January, at least 179 migrant minors spent more than three days in CPB custody. As well as at least 48 kids in December, CBS News' Camilo Montoya Galvez reported this week. So, the kids in cages never stopped, it's just... They change the language, and they change the outlook on this. And even Axios, as much as they're trying to cover this up in flowery, la flowery language, can't, uh, can't ignore any of it. All right, let's hear what uh, the Honorable and uh, Venerable Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez D. Twitch has to say. Ocasio-Cortez criticizes opening of migrant facility for children under Biden from Lexi Lonis. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez de Twitch criticized President Biden's administration on Tuesday for opening a migrant facility for children. This is not okay, puppy. Never has been. Never will be, okay? No matter the administration or party. Ocasio-Cortez tweeted, The facility is located in Carrizo Springs, Texas, and will be used to hold children from ages 13 to 17. The facility is capable of holding up to 700 mig uh, migrant children. It's almost two months into this admin, and our fraught, unjust immigration system will not transform in that time. DHS shouldn't exist. Agencies should be reorganized. ICE gotta go. Ban for-profit detention. Create climate refugee status and more. The White House also defended the facility on Tuesday, saying that it only temporarily and is needed because of the pandemic. It's a temporary reopening during um, 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 COVID-19, and um, our our intention um, is is very much to close it. But 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 we wanna we wanna make sure we can follow COVID protocols. And I'm gonna circle back for more of that. Press Secretary Jen Psaki said. Unaccompanied migrant children were moved into the facility the day it was open. It is unclear how long the administration plans to keep the facility's doors open. Alright, let's keep going here. I got another one on Joe Biden. I do love the fact that they come back and they try to say that, oh, well, under Biden, it's, it's an overflow. It's a migrant facility. But under uh, Trump, it was kids in cages. Kids in cages. Horrible. Dozens of House Democrats want Biden to give up sole authority to launch nuclear weapons. From Audrey Conklin. You love it. You love to see it. About three dozen House Democrats have signed a letter asking President Biden to renounce his sole authority to launch nuclear weapons, according to reports. Gee, 
I wonder why they wouldn't want Biden to be able to launch a nuclear weapon on his own. I wonder. A promise from the president to give up his nuclear capabilities as commander-in-chief could take the same power away from future presidents. Vesting one person with his uh, this authority rather entails real risks, a letter from Representative Jimmy Panetta of California, and obtained by Politico reads. Past presidents have threatened to attack other countries with nuclear weapons or exhibited behavior rather that caused other officials to express concern about the president's judgment. Panetta's office did not immediately respond to an inquiry from Fox News, the congressman said in a Monday tweet that he's calling on Biden to install checks and balances in our nuclear command and control structure. The letter continues, while any president would presumably consult with advisors before ordering a nuclear attack, there is no requirement to do so. The military is obligated to carry out the order if they assess it is legal under the laws of war. Under the current posture of U.S. nuclear forces, that attack would happen in minutes. Democrats offered some alternatives to sole nuclear authority, such as requiring the vice president and house speaker to agree with a launch order from the president before it's ex uh, executed, rather, according to Politico. I would actually consider that to be reasonable. I really would. Presidents have continued, uh, continually rather passed down a briefcase containing all the necessary materials to dial up a nuclear strike using a specific code, often referred to as the nuclear football. Democrats have previously expressed concerns with former President Trump having access to such power. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi in January, for example, said she spoke with Chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley, about protecting nuclear codes from an unhinged president. Yeah, this guy is in complete cognitive decline, and they know it. They can't deny it anymore. They can't hide it as much as they're trying to. And now they're looking for any excuse to get the nuclear football away from him. Something that he should have never had in the first place. But I gotta say this. As much as I don't want Joe Biden to have the nuclear football, because he has no idea which shoe goes on which foot at this point, he's a vegetable in an empty suit, you made your bed. Now fucking sleep in it. You know, to quote a certain man that the left considers to be a messiah, you know, up, 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 up. Elections have consequences, okay? And and we've got to live with the consequences. So the election happened. And, and now, my, now my buddy, Joe Biden, he was my best friend while I was in office. Yep, 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 yep. Oh, not, not, now, now you got to Now you got to deal with the consequences of the election, okay? So, yeah, you love to see this here. And once again, I still, I'm dead convinced that there is some dirt on Biden that he was about to get prosecuted for that was going to take down a lot of the bigwigs in the government. There are a lot of other people that had their hand in the same cookie jar that Hunter did. And the only reason that he's president right now is so that the private citizen criminal justice system can't go after him. So, I guess we'll see what happens there, and I guess we'll see if they take away the nuclear football from him. Alright, I've got one here. Jerry Connolly of Virginia goes off on Jim Jordan during USPS oversight hearing. Let's have a listen. I didn't vote to overturn an election. And I will not be lectured by people who did about partisanship. I didn't vote to overturn an election. And I will not be lectured by people who did about partisanship. I mean, you were the, like I said, you were, they, they had you as the worst guy on the planet back then. And now everything, oh, it seems to be so much better now. gentleman's time has expired. Thank you, Madam Chair. The gentleman from Virginia, Mr. Conley, is now recognized for five minutes. Thank you, Madam Chairwoman. <clears throat> and uh, all the gaslighting that we just heard 
does not change facts. Mr. Diamondstein, please move the mic close to your mouth. Thank you. Um, am, I, am I making this up, <clears throat> as Mr. Jordan apparently would have you believe, that the President of the United States last summer, Donald J. Trump, publicly said voting by mail would lead to massive fraud? Did he say that, or is that, am I imagining that, Mr. Diamondstein? Um, I don't think you're imagining it. Uh, what I recall him saying at one point is he was going to make sure that the Postal Service got no financial COVID emergency relief because then they would be able to right. more but, effectively deliver ballots. Thank you. But the deal. point is, it was Donald Trump, the Republican nominee, who was planting the idea, aided and abetted by disruptive changes proposed by a new postmaster general and a compliant board of governors that actually eroded public confidence in the ability to vote by mail. That wasn't a Democratic narrative. That was a Republican narrative by the President of the United States and his enablers. And oh, by the way, the inconvenient fact, Mr. Heiss would have you believe that it was partisans on this committee, and he quoted a number of Democrats, by the way, admitted Democrats, for the record, I'm an admitted Democrat and damn proud of it. I didn't vote to overturn an election. And I will not be lectured by people who did about partisanship. Okay, if that dude gets any more animated, they're going to put him on a PSA with a white kid, a black kid, and a purple alien. But... <sighs> They're going to keep trying to dig for this forever. Okay, yes, we understand that nobody can agree what happened with the Capitol, that nobody can agree with what happened with the election. But no matter, I mean, if they continue to dig and find something, and they do find that Biden isn't actually the president because he cheated, he'll just get impeached and Kamala will be the president at that point. The election is over, and I've had this discussion based on Obama, too, because people are still going back and trying to figure out whether or not he was actually born in this country and birtherism is real or not. I mean, it doesn't matter anymore at this point. He's been out of office for a term. So stop looking into this. The election is over. Now take some time and focus back on the. But they're going to continue to use this to bicker at her, after each other. And hell, I guarantee you in 2022, we're going to be seeing this coming up in political ads as well. They are not going to let this go. All right, let's keep going here. I've got one from Newsweek. Representative Jerry Connolly rages at Jim Jordan for gaslighting him after a vote to overturn election. From Daniel Villarreal. Democratic Virginia Representative Jerry Connolly has accused Republican Ohio Representative Jim Jordan of gaslighting legislative colleagues about bipartisanship on Wednesday. Connolly's remarks occurred during House debates over Biden's $1.9 trillion COVID-19 stimulus bill as the lower congressional chamber began discussing legislation this week. Republicans have criticized congressional Democrats as partisan for preparing to pass a bill without any Republican support through the budget reconciliation process. Jordan made that criticism and Connolly replied, All the gaslighting we just heard just does not change the facts, Connolly told Jordan. I didn't vote to overturn an election, and I will not be lectured by people who did about partisanship. Well, if you have no faith in the institution, then I don't want to hear it from you either, Mr. Connolly. So, that's what they're going to fight about forever here. And that's what they're going to use forever and ever to try and discredit anybody who would disagree with them. All right, from the Daily Wire. White House Chief of Staff, Tandon will be confirmed, but we'll put her somewhere else if she's not, from Eric Quintanar. White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain said Wednesday that the Biden administration has been fighting our guts out to get Nira Tandon confirmed. I wonder what she knows. As Director of the Office of Management and Budget, and now that she will be confirmed to the position, despite one Democratic senator already opposing her nomination, and despite the list of Republican senators who would consider voting to confirm Tandon shrinking smaller and smaller. Let me be clear, we're going to get near Tandon confirmed, and that's what we're working for. And she will provide her critics wrong, 
as an outstanding budget director that works with people on both sides of the aisle. That's what I think her record truly shows, Klain said, uh, told MSNBC host Joy Reid. But Klain also said that if Tandon weren't confirmed, she would be placed in a position that doesn't require Senate confirmation. And once again, makes me wonder what it is that she knows and what it is that they're trying to get her in so she doesn't have to testify for. Because they're, they've got a hard-on to get her in. Senator Manchin announced last week he would not vote to confirm Tandon, leaving the White House scrambling to find a Republican senator to replace his vote and bring them to a narrow majority. But Mitt Romney, Collins, and Toomey have all announced they will oppose Tandon, as has Senator Rob Portman of Ohio, a former White House budget director himself. I believe that the tone, content, and aggressive partisanship of some of Ms. Tandon's public statements will make it more difficult for her to work effectively with both parties in this role, said Portman in a statement, in which he also remarked, I'm also concerned about her decision to delete thousands of tweets in the last month after the election and the lack of transparency in her decision to do so, as well as her lack of experience on key issues for OMB, such as the regulatory and budgeting process. So, they don't care. What she does, they just want her in the White House. Kind of makes you wonder sometimes. Let's keep going. Let's talk about Liz Cheney again because we've got to continue talking about Liz Cheney for whatever reason. What happened must never happen again. Representative Liz Cheney, a top House Republican, again hits Trump over Capitol riots. From David Jackson over at USA Today. Despite threats to her uh, re-election, a prominent... House Republican Liz Cheney did not back down on Tuesday after a criticism of former President Trump, again blaming him for the deadly January 6th riots that, at the U.S. Capitol that exposed threats to democracy and peaceful transfer of power. What we saw firsthand on January 6th was a threat to the system, Cheney said, during a foreign policy event sponsored by the Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation and Institute. What happened that day must never happen again, said Cheney, who has argued that Trump should not play a role in the Republican Party's future. Yeah, this seems, I think I read this yesterday, actually, but from a different source. And it does look like, I mean, it's going to be the same information we talked about yesterday. And that's the fact that Liz Cheney, that's, this is establishment versus outsider. And people like Liz Cheney, people like Mitch McConnell, will throw the outsiders under the bus if it makes sure that they keep, that it keeps them in power. And I don't know how Liz Cheney's uh, starting to square the circle here because the people of Wyoming are pissed about the fact that she voted to impeach and that she's continuing with uh, throwing Trump under the bus. But it's not about... It's not about Trump anymore. It's about the, the way that the elites feel about you, the people. That's what this is all about at this point. It's not. It stopped being about Trump long, long ago. So, and she is an elite, of course. She's Dick Cheney's daughter. So she's got a future in politics. She's a coronated queen, and she's going to continue to be. Hey, maybe one day she'll even run for president. Who knows? But we'll see what happens there. I've got one from Fox Business, which we can also look at what the Dow, uh, Dow Jones looks like. Oh, maybe we can't. They took it away from me. Ha! <laughs> They're going to autoplay with me again. Oh, looks like everything else is still down. Uh, Facebook Oversight Board receives appeal from user on behalf of Trump to restore accounts. The board has 90 days to make a decision for the case from Julia Musto. Facebook's Independent Oversight Board has re uh, received an appeal on behalf of former President Trump. The board, which was created last year and has been described as a de facto Supreme Court, told Fox Business on Wednesday that a comment from the user has been received in the case. We can confirm that a user statement has been received in the case before the Oversight Board concerning President Trump's Facebook and Instagram accounts. A spokesperson said, We will have no further comment concerning that statement until the board has issued its decision. Channel 4 News first reported the move. Trump's Facebook and Instagram accounts were suspended on the day after the deadly January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol. I still don't know why they say that. Okay, somebody died. But under any other circumstance, if the police killed somebody... All these little lefties would be out there running and saying how bad the police were, but hey, that's the only person who directly died as a result of the violence on the Capitol. Everything else was indirect or, for the most part, self-inflicted. 
We believe the risks of allowing the president to continue to use our services during this period are simply too great, CEO Mark Zuckerberg said at the time. Therefore, we are extending the block. We have placed on his Facebook and Instagram accounts indefinitely and for at least the next two weeks until the peaceful transition of power is complete. On January 21st, the board announced it would review the decision to revoke Trump's access and that it would receive comment from the public on the issue. That'll be interesting to see which direction they go on this because they could go either way. They could bring him back and knowing full well that he's going to run again and the people want to go to somewhere where they can see Donald Trump. He's going to go back and he's going to form his own social media company. And a lot of the people who are feeding the information that Zuckerberg likes to sell or consume, whichever he likes to do, are going to take their information elsewhere. So it'll be an interesting business decision. And I still think that it was, as from a business standpoint, probably not a smart idea to take him off the social media sites that people are flocking to. And I still see... I mean, Twitter's fucking boring without Trump because people aren't jumping on every tweet that he says. But the nice part is, I mean, he's stayed mostly silent on what's been happening in the government since he was banned, since he got out of office. He's done what most other good presidents do, and he shut his fucking mouth. Too bad Obama couldn't do that. <clears throat> A little bit of entertainment for you guys here. From The Mirror, a UK... I don't know if it's a magazine, a tablet, or what the fuck it is. I just thought this was entertaining, and I see it making its rounds over on Twitter. You could get five pounds off when a new customer spends 30 pounds at Iceland. Casual sex could remain banned until at least June in Boris Johnson's roadmap. From Mikey Smith. Casual sex could remain banned until at least June under Boris Johnson's roadmap of lockdown. The removal of restrictions on the social contact with people from different households is unlikely to be on the table until step forward June 12th at the earliest. And even then, the rules, which also prevent people from hugging their grandparents if they do not share a household or bubble, will be subject to a review. The roadmap document released today reads, ahead of step four, as more is understood about the impact of vaccines and transmission and far greater proportion of the population has been vaccinated, the government will complete a review of social distancing measures and other long-term measures that have been put in place to limit transmission. The results of the review will help inform decisions on the timing and circumstances under which rules on one meter plus social distancing, face masks, and other measures may be lifted. Limited social mixing indoors will be permitted again from May 17th at the earliest. Around this stage, ministers will review social distancing rules between uh, friends and family, potentially allowing hugging to return for the first time since the first lockdown in March of last year. As soon as possible and no later than step three, the government will update its advice on social distancing between friends and family, including hugging, the roadmap says. Until then, people should continue to keep their distance from anyone not in their household or support bubble and keep up habits such as regular hand washing and letting in fresh airs. So, no nookie. If you're over in the UK. Alright, I got one here from The Blaze. Police video shows the moment a missing 13-year-old girl rushes to hug a deputy who rescued her from an alleged online predator. From Carlos Garcia. A startling video captured the moment a missing 13-year-old girl rushed to hug a deputy who rescued her from an alleged online predator. The incident unfolded Thursday at the All Suite Motel in Edgewater, Florida. The grandmother of the girl called the police after she failed to arrive home in Oak Hill from school and didn't go to a basketball game she had planned to attend. Deputy Royce James spoke to a friend of the girl who told him that she had planned to go to a motel with someone she'd met online. The friend said that the man's name started with a T, possibly Tyler, might have been from Orlando, and that that girl might have met him at the Dollar General store in Oak Hill. Deputy James was the first to find surveillance images of the victim at the store, and an employee said she'd been waiting for someone outside the store. When James searched the motels nearby, he eventually found a guest named Tyler from Orlando who had checked in earlier that day. When deputies knocked on the door, the video capturing the girl running to hug Deputy James. 
The girl asked for James to stay with her while she went for evaluation at the local Department of Children's and Families facility and remained with her. She was returned to her family after the evaluation. Tyler Thompson was charged with interference with child custody and also with traveling to meet after using a computer to lure a child. He was released on $15,000 bond, but authorities say further charges against him are pending. Basically, I'm missing a, um, a juvenile left school and um, possibly was picked up by a guy here. I'm kind of wanting to get an idea of who he is and I'm looking at today from school gets at around 3.15 is so I'm thinking 3 to 3.30. I mean, is that like a super, super recent picture though? She says she looks pretty much like this. It, might, it looks pretty close to her. All right, let's see if she's I can, Yeah, I can see. Hold on, let me straighten the angles up there and get a better day. Hello. Um, hey, so my name is uh, Deputy James. I'm wondering if um, a juvenile and an, uh, another person checked in here earlier today. I have, have you seen that? Her? No, she would have been here with an unknown, probably male. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm looking for a juvenile that looks to be ran away from home today. And we have information she may have checked in to a local hotel with an adult. Um, this is what she looks like. Um, any check-ins today? Only one check-in before I came in. I'm investigating a, um, a runaway juvenile okay. that supposedly checked into a local hotel okay. today with an adult, most likely. I don't know what he looks like or anything. Um, this is what she looks like. All right, someone checked in earlier when I, oh, when I wasn't here, so let me check them. Oh, perfect, okay. Is there a name for that? Well, yeah. Her, well, her she's only 13, so I, I don't know the person she's with. So it would have been whoever she's with. Yeah, she doesn't even have an ID. She's, again, only 13. You know who the, the person she's with? No clue. Well, check out this, this person that checked in today. I think this is him. They said his name started with a T, possibly Tyler. Front office. Anybody inside? We need to come in for a second. Sheriff's office. Back up. Have a seat on the couch. What's up, sweetheart? Sheriff's office. Get Peppy up here. Go in the bedroom and wait for me for a second. How old are you? How old are you? Five oh one text. Just waiting there for me, sweetheart. Okay? Are you okay? Do you need any Are you hurt at all? You're not hurt at all? Your stomach hurts? Okay, we're gonna be right with you, okay? Three, three, five, three, yeah, you f***ed up. How old are you? If I ask you that question again, I'm gonna lose my f***ing mind. How old are you? Oh, you f***ed up. Yeah, you f***ed up real good. You f***ed up real good. Yes, I am. I found him. They showed the girl's face is blurred out, obviously, and it should be, but uh, still, you can tell she runs up and, and hugs the officer, which, once again, I mean, we see so many problems, and we saw the problems uh, a couple days ago with uh, the officers that arrested a guy for j essentially jaywalking, walking in the middle of the street, and the other ones that, that was last year where they shot the guy who was also jaywalking. <laughs> 
So we see a lot of problems with law enforcement, but this is a genuine crime with a genuine victim here. So when they say all ACAB and even the left libertarians will come out and say that all police should be executed for carrying out the will of the state. No, we still have good things that happen like this. It's not all bad. So this is a legitimate use of the government. One of the few, there are very, very few of them, but this is a legitimate use of the government. All right. I got a little puff piece here from the New York Times, a former newspaper. This 105-year-old beat COVID, she credits gin-soaked raisins. Lucia DeClerc, the oldest resident of her New Jersey nursing home, tested positive for the virus on her 105th birthday. One day after that, uh, one day after her second vaccine shot, rather. From Tracy Tully. Ask Lucia DeClerc how she lived to be 105. She's quick with an answer. Prayer, 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 she offers, one step at a time, no junk food. But surviving the coronavirus, she said, also may have something to do with another staple. The nine gin-soaked golden raisins she has eaten each morning for most of her life. Village R, she explained, nine raisins a day after it sits for nine days. Her children and grandchildren recall the ritual as just one of Miss DeClerc's endearing lifelong habits, like drinking aloe juice straight from the container and brushing her teeth with baking soda. That worked too. She did not have a cavity until she was 99, relatives said. We would just think, Grandma, what are you doing? You're crazy, says her 53-year-old granddaughter, Sean Laws O'Neill of Los Angeles. Now the laugh is on us. She's beaten everything that's come her way. It is a long list. Born in 1916 in Hawaii to parents who came from Guatemala and Spain, she lived through the Spanish flu, two world wars, the death of three husbands, and a son. She moved to Wyoming, California, and back to Hawaii before finally arriving in New Jersey, where she lived with her oldest son after turning 90. Move, uh, she moved to an adult community in Manahawkin, New Jersey, along with Jersey Shore where she remained active until she injured herself in a fall four years ago. She is just the epitome of perseverance, Miss O'Neill said. Her mind is so sharp, she will remember things when I was a kid that I don't even remember. So, and this article goes on. I don't think she had the commie fucking coof. I really don't. Because, we see right here, she so, uh, showed few symptoms, Mr. Neiman said, and within two weeks she was back in a room holding her rosary beads and wearing her trademark sunglasses and a knit hat. So she took the vaccine, which throws a little bit of virus in you, so your body recognizes what to go after, and is surprised when she tested positive, but still had no symptoms. I don't... This is nothing. This is a nothing article, but I thought you guys would enjoy it at least, so... That's what we see for that. Let's keep going. Uh, this is from here in Wisconsin. Wisconsin Press should be following up with Gordon Hintz on this because Representative Jim yeah, Steinke to... still reeling from the statement from Gordon Hintz yesterday. Not sure how we're going to break it to the 700,000 plus Wisconsinites stuck in the UI backlog last year that they were simply experiencing a fake UI crisis. And quit trying to, you know, create a, a fake unemployment insurance crisis and quit trying to. And that is one thing that my state has done horribly. I know my mom had to go on unemployment briefly while the restaurant that she worked at shut down. And as far as I know, I think she's actually still waiting for the unemployment payments. Now she's gone out and got a new job with a restaurant that stayed open, I think, through the majority of the pandemic. But she went out and got a, a new job out there. My dad's retired, so they're working on getting um, pension and everything that came along with that. But, uh, yeah. Call that a fake UI crisis. And you know full well that if Scott Walker was still in office, this would be every headline. I mean, you'd be hearing about this in Florida, how badly Scott Walker bungled this up. But because it's Tony fucking Evers who is another one who's a saint in the Democrat Party. They don't talk about him as much as they talk about Gretchen Whitmer, but regardless, he's still a saint in the Democrat Party, and he can do no wrong. It's called. It's just a fake UI crisis, and this one can get away. This came from Anna Kelly over here in Wisconsin, who I believe is a journalist up in Madison. But 
Yeah, that's what we're seeing here. Yes, thank you for that fake UI crisis. All right, I got just one more here. Then we'll do a thing that I like, a thing that I hate, and head on out of here for the day. Last one. NBC show depicts religious Jews as dumb bigots, the most anti-Semitic thing I've ever seen on TV. And the only reason I have this article, because I was actually going to pass on this one here, was just so I can remind everybody that uh, if this is the most anti-Semitic thing you've ever seen, do not go in our Discord because it will break you. And it will scare you. But this comes from Emily Zanotti. NBC is under fire Wednesday for an episode of the medical drama Nurses, which includes an offensive portrayal of an Orthodox Jew that social media users quickly branded as anti-Semitic according to the Florida Sun Sentinel. The objectionable storyline occurred in an episode of Nurses, a Canadian hour-long drama following a group of nurses in a Toronto hospital. In the episode, a young Hasidic patient is told he will need to get a bone graft to heal his broken leg, leading to his default father to recoil from the possibility of a dead goyim leg from anyone, an Arab, an Arab, a woman, the outlet explained. The episode is actually a string of bizarre depictions of Orthodox Jewish individuals. The son, who is suffering from a broken leg, skipped shul to play basketball, an activity that the uh, show says is forbidden from. And after it is explained that he will need a bone graft, one of the main character nurses, who is an admitted atheist, attempts to quote scripture to the pair who will not speak to her because, being a religious zealots, they do not speak to women. <coughs> Excuse me. And then claims to be a messenger of God, warning the pair to acquiesce to medical treatment. Yeah. That doesn't even scratch the surface of anti-Semitism. I'm sorry. You've got a long ways to go to catch up with some of the people over on our uh, Discord server. And hopefully our Gilded server in the near future. Because we are a free speech platform. Alright. That's it for the news. Let's do a thing that I like and a thing that I hate and head on out of here. So this story is a couple days old. But it's still funny. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to Ted Cruz because there was absolutely nothing that he could do. But we, we still got to cover this here. Because they made fun of him for the fact that he went to Mexico. Mariachi band performs at Ted Cruz's home amid Mexico trip backlash from Jaren Steinbuch. Ay caramba! A mariachi band showed up on Sunday outside Senator Ted Cruz's home to try and drive him a little loco after the widely condemned jaunt to Cancun, Mexico. The five musicians, wearing sombreros and charro outfits, filled the air with traditional music, most notably the staccato sounds of the very loud trumpets, according to a video on Twitter shown on the WTRF. Let me see if this pops up. It might not. Oh, yeah, there it goes. You know what? I still say that it is, uh, it's a bad faith to go to some, to the politician's home because their kids are there and their wife is there. But I mean, this wasn't beating on the door, scrolling horrible messages, trying to break the door down or anything else where the wife and kids were. <clears throat> this was a lighthearted troll that honestly, if it was anywhere other than Ted Cruz's house, I would say that he deserves. I've, once again, I stand against the, go to the person's home. But still, it's a lighthearted troll. It's it's a fun way to make fun of your political enemies. Not the horrific ways that the left tends to do normally. So, I'm both amused by it and repulsed by it. But I'm, it's, I'm amused enough by it that I throw this in the column of the thing, uh, thing that I like today. And now for a thing that I hate. So, this uh, woman, tweeted out by literally your mom, well, let's just, uh, let's listen to the message that she has out there. 
This is a great follow, by the way. I get so much cool shit from this woman. Faller for at Faller Forward is the Twitter follow. I mean, it's mostly societal stuff. It's not new stuff, but she brings out all the good, all kinds of good stuff that I've been able to use on the show. So, let's have a listen. If you're white, yes, you are racist. Even if you think you're woke, we all benefit from oppression. Pretending you're not racist only makes racism grow. If well, first and foremost, that woman can't sing. Now, with as stuffed up as my nose is, I'm in no room to talk about that because right now I can't sing either, but can't carry a tune, can't do it a cappella, and of course the message is horrendous off of this. You know what I say to that? Because you're using the color of the skin as your basis of judgment? You are racist. Plain and simple. Which... I mean, you're white, so there you go. That goes right on with what you were saying. But that is, that's racist. So, enjoy that. I thought you guys would. Let's listen to that one more time, just because I listened to it a few times. If you're white, yes, you are racist. Even if you think you're woke, we all benefit from oppression. Pretending you're not racist only makes racism grow. If you're white, yes, you are racist. Even if you think you're woke, we all benefit from oppression. Pretending you're not racist only makes racism grow. Yeah. She sounds like a sewing machine. All right. And that's going to be it for the day here. So with that, oh, I don't have my outro music caught, uh, queued up. I guess we'll have to go without it for the day then. But with that, I'm going to head on out of here for the day. Um, as I mentioned uh, yesterday, we are going to do a call-in show coming up this weekend on Saturday. That's going to be at 5.30 Central Time. So tell some friends and get them on in here. We'll open up the phone lines. We'll open up the Discord. And we'll hear what you guys have to say about the kids in cages or the Biden administration. Or if you're white, then you're racist or anything else like that. But it's going to be your show, so we'll get in there. And if, as always, if we get more than 20 people chatting at uh, one particular time, then we'll go for 90 minutes as well instead of the standard 60 minutes. Or maybe we'll go longer anyway because it's been quite a while since I've done this. But we've got to take your time here because, you know, I don't re-chat during Contemporary, and I do need to take some time and uh, let you guys voice your opinions too. So definitely be there. Otherwise, be back here tomorrow for more Contemporary. And the special thank you to everybody who chatted in the live chat. The notebook's filled. It's been a slow week this week, but the notebook is filled. So make sure if you're lurking, you get your last-minute messages in so that we can make sure that we get the thanks to you because everybody who chats in the live chat deserves thanks and makes this show what it is. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to seeing you guys tomorrow for more of that or on Saturday for the Ed Talk or on Monday for the Red Net Show as well. Looking forward to that. Also, reminder, check out the Generational Gap tomorrow when we see my wonderful co-hostess Elaine over on the Generational Gap talking about scoop, uh, spooky stuff from a South Carolina haunted hotel. Looking forward to that as well. So, we will see you at one of the points that we're coming up here. Until then, I'm Jay Edgar, and this is Contemporary. <laughs>